3: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
4: You have 47 new
2: voicemails.
3: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: And you oh, yeah. it is up. going to be covered by the same. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season.
4: That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill to t t taysom TD!
1: Welcome to Inside Black and Gold.
4: And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh,
2: baby! Hey, yo, what up, at go Saints. It is the post-win episode of Inside Black and Gold, the one you have been waiting for. It's actually game day, and we're actually able to record. This has always been the plan for home games. The problem is, there just has not been many of them, first of all. And the last one was on a Thursday, and so that didn't happen. But this is our late-night post-game edition of Inside Black and Gold. We're going to go through the what did work, what didn't work. We're going to get into a live mailbag. I'm Jeff Nowak. we will be joined here shortly by... Steve Geller who just hosted for 10 hours and is for some reason still wants to go on and and talk about the saints. I guess when you win, when you win, things are better, but all's well that ends well. And it looks like we've got Steve right here now. He's in the tie dye shirt. So be prepared. What's happening.
1: Steve. What's going on, dude. How's Bobby doing? Everyone's feeling good. As you know, after a victory for sure, it wasn't, Obviously, you hear ugly, wasn't pretty, whatever it was. It was a victory, though. We got two in a row. And, oh, by the way, this is the uh, top of the NFC South podcast, too, now.
2: Yeah, the five and four. <laughs> the NFC South first place, you know. and it, And, I mean, it didn't look like it was going to be the case. Like, the Falcons, you know, had to blow that game against the Vikings. And the Texans, I mean – I saw the Bucks take the lead in, the, in like the last minute, and I was like, "Oh, it's over." And then, and then CJ Stroud goes down the field, 470 yards. That's a rookie passing record. Just domination. That,
1: that that was the game too, with the running back kicking a field goal. Yeah, Dari with What? <laughs> yeah.
2: What? I mean, geez. And wait, yeah. Anyway, well, we'll we'll get to that. But we're here to talk about Saints twenty four, Bears seventeen, and Ooh. you know, I. I I think, you know, you would think after a win, your head coach would come out and be like super, oh, yeah, great. I think DA was kind of pissed after this game. And particularly because of what happened on defense because Dennis Allen, I guarantee you, is very much tired of watching his defense come out and get run ragged in the first half. It's four consecutive weeks. They've allowed 17-plus points in the first half. Now, you look at this team and you're like, okay, you know, all, all of that, all of the struggles they had, and they still held the Bears to three points in the second half somehow. Um, but, you know, the first thing, like, this is what D.A. had to say when he came out. And I think, you know, it's like when you hear coaches, you know, it's coach speak to an extent, but at the same time, it's true. There's only 32 teams in the NFL, and the baseline is very high.
4: Good win. You know, hard-fought win. Look, none of these are ever easy in our league. All right, and for anybody that ever thinks that you got an easy one, you're you're waiting to get your ass beat. Um, So uh, it was a good win for us. We're excited about the win, Um, and and moving forward and 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 getting ready to go play uh, Minnesota. So
2: you know, to me, it's like it's like yeah, this. I think coaches get tired of hearing like, oh, the Bears aren't very good. The Saints should roll in this game, and in reality, it's like. Every team in the NFL is good to an extent. They all have pros on them, on these rosters. Like, it's not going to ever be this walkover. Occasionally, it is. Occasionally, the team just doesn't show up. But that wasn't the case with the Bears today.
1: They played hard. But what about when you have five turnovers in a game and you only win by seven?
2: Yes. Well, (laughs) so so we're going to get into that in in the what didn't work segment. But first things first, I do like you look at the five turnovers and you say, okay, well, the defense struggled to get off the field. But in the second half, they did make Tyson Bagent look like a rookie, right? And Those second and Debo, half adjustments. we we'll get to the it's second amazing. half adjustments. Da is tired of talking about second half adjustments. Actually, we don't need to waste any more time. I mean, I have you know, Da, you talk about it's like, oh, he doesn't have a ton of passion out there. He oh, is pissed man. off when you if, if he gets asked about second half adjustments one more <laughs> time. I don't know what he's gonna say. Let's, listen to this.
4: over-freaking-rated. All right, stop. Okay, play better, coach better, execute, do your job. That's what it's about. Okay, so that's what the communication was at halftime. You know, we didn't come in there and just change the whole freaking game plan. All right, we haven't done it any any week up to this point. Okay, what we've done is we've called better calls and we've executed better. And we need to start doing that early on. Bravo, right.
2: Right. And, and that's like, I, I, Peyton Manning said this on one of the Manning casts, and I think it caught some people off guard, but it's true. Like, you don't have time. It's not like they go into the locker room and sit down at a table and like, okay, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to fix this? All right, change this up. It's like, no, they go in there, they go to the bathroom. Maybe they have a yay, rah, rah, get your shit together kind of speech. That's about it. You're not making a time. Ton- like, you'll make adjustments throughout the game. But this idea that you go in and have like the idea of a halftime adjustment, like you go in there and suddenly come out with a new plan. That's all make believe. That's just like what you say on the broadcast, because the team looks like a different team in the second half. But it's usually just like you're doing the you're, you're doing the plan and you're doing it better. You know, and I think that's what DA is tired of hearing about. It's like, oh, the second half. It's like, no, we just played better in the second half. And it's like, and that's why you look at the first half You're like, well, why aren't you playing better in the first half? Right. And that's what the coach is so pissed about.
1: No, you you definitely see it there. And yeah, you you obviously understand coaches' frustration because that's how the fans are feeling too, man. You were worried right at, to the end of this, to, to this one, like the, the team was going to end up coughing it up somehow because we've seen... Misery like this happened in the past, but man, what, what a stellar game from, uh, from, from a Debo, obvious, honestly, I mean, clearly easily, you usually sometimes have to debate like player of the game, but when, when he puts up numbers like that, it's hard not to give it to him. (laughs) Oh, he was incredible. And
2: you know, I, I don't think, I was not actually concerned because I could tell you it's like Tyson Bajant was not driving the field at that moment. Like you, you, it was, I, I didn't, it was annoying to watch them have to kind of eke it out when they could have been up by three scores minimum, right? Uh, but I was not worried. Like at, the, at that point, the defense was balling out. There was they were not getting driven on. But no, you talk about Paulson and Debo, and I'd like to harken back to training camp when we were talking about these position battles, and I came on this podcast and I was like, you know what? I think Paulson and Debo is going to win the starting outside corner job. He's the best. Option. He's played very well, and I think everyone's overreacting a little bit to how good Alante looked as a rookie and some of the struggles that Paulson had. Because he is very consistent. He's a very good player, and the biggest issue he has had in the past is he gets his hand on a ton of balls, but he wasn't able to come down with them. Well, what are we saying this this year? What does he have? He had two interceptions in this game. He forced a fumble in this game. He he forced another. He forced another fumble against Jacksonville. I mean, this guy. His fingerprints are everywhere on these games. And that's what you need across from Marshawn because teams don't want to throw at Marshawn, but they have to throw at somebody. So they're going to throw at Paulson and you need that guy to go make plays and by golly, he has made (laughs) plays play after play after play. And I talked to Pete Warner about this in the locker room. And it's like, it's, it's like when you have a defense that's struggling to get off the field and you have one guy who is just making big, plays and swinging momentum on his own. It just gives everybody a lift. And I think that interception he had in the first half that changed momentum. The saints were struggling. They were on the struggle bus when it came to stopping Tyson Bajan to containing quarterbacks. It's been an issue all season, but there's worse things to be than the, than the team that isn't necessarily completely locked down on defense, but takes advantage of opportunities. And like, if you want to look back at 2009, Right. The team that won the Super Bowl. In no way am I comparing this 2023 Saints to the 2009 Super Bowl championship Saints. But one of the defining characteristics of that Saints team was the ability to, they didn't have a lockdown defense. They didn't have a, a, you know, a Monsters of the Midway type Bears defense, but they turned the ball over. They got takeaways. And they scored touchdowns. Exactly. They got takeaways. (laughs) They scored points. And the defense stepped up in big moments. For sure. And that's kind of what I see from this defense. They're not, you know, one of those elites. Okay, you're not getting any yards. You're not getting any traction. But they make big plays in big moments. And, I I mean, Paulson Debo is a great example of that. Like, he's, I talked to him earlier this offseason. I was like, is it weird knowing that you could be in perfect coverage and they're still going to throw the ball at you because they're not throwing at Marshawn, but the ball still has to come out. And he basically said, if you're a cornerback, and you don't want the ball thrown in your direction so you have a chance to make a play on it, you're probably in the wrong position. And I think that's kind of, he's taking that to heart. He's like, you want to throw it, fine. (laughs) I'm going to make you pay for it. And you know, all the credit in the world to Paulson because I think he's gotten a lot of grief. He gets a lot of the attention because the balls get thrown at him all the time. And he has stepped up. He cut out the penalties, zero penalties the last two weeks after at least one penalty in each of his first
1: six starts. I don't think you could be playing at a much higher level than he is right now. Yeah, great to see. Obviously, someone like a dude we definitely talked about of being around the ball, getting his hands on stuff. Maybe being a little too handsy. Obviously, in coverage, that was a big issue with him. That it was a big concern. But breaking up the pass, yeah, that was constantly like, okay, so, sure he can break it up, but when's he going to start hauling him in? And uh, yeah, he's been making up for it this season for sure.
2: And that, in that, that punch out, right? Like he's just making plays, he's making a Debo impact. punch now, right? and he wasn't alone right marcus may who i think oh, had a he's such a beautiful pick he had a rough day <laughs> i think marcus may has been one of the weak spots on this defense and i think at a certain point you have to consider looking at jordan howden as your your plug and play safety with with tyron because he's been very good and i think he's been a little bit more consistent in terms of being a tackler and and in terms of getting after it, I think he would be a better spy in, in situations where you need to just have someone accounting for the quarterback. And I don't think Marcus May did that well today at all. But that interception was mint. You know, yeah, he had one. DeMario had one where he knocked the ball out, basically ended the game. Pete Werner picked it up. I mean, it's just these guys just keep making play after play after play. And, you know, again, it's like you look at that, they had that long drive. The Bears had that long drive in the second half. The Bears had a couple long drives in the first half, but you held for a field goal. And that's it. That's it. And and you know that opening drive from the Bears was a huge kick to the nuts. Every single opening drive, right? <laughs> and it, when you're when you're ta- looking at DA and, and we talked about this like he didn't look like if, if I didn't know any better, I would assume the Saints lost based on yeah. his tone in his press conference cuz he's pissed off and he should be cuz yeah. you know he takes personal responsibility for this defense as he should and that's just not a good look. To get taken for a ride and not be able to contain Tyson Bajent, You know, and and like Tyson, I think played well, but you know, it was a lot more about the saints like that third and 12, you know, and and I saw people griping about, well, why did he accept that penalty instead of putting him at fourth and two, they were going to go for it. Exactly. And and so to me, your options are allow them to go for it on fourth and two or or force them into a third and long and see if their rookie quarterback Tries to make something happen and makes a mistake. And it's like, yeah, you're you're expecting to not allow a first down there. But that's been the biggest issue for this team is, you know, you lose contain on the rush. And and DA did talk about um, that a little bit because I think that's been, you know, we're going to actually, that's going to be in our what didn't work segment. So I take that back. We're not going to talk about that. But that's been one of the bigger issues is just containing quarterbacks. One thing I do want to get into the, keep this into the what did work part. All right. And, one of the things that's been working the last two weeks, it's been heavily talked about, right? Red zone efficiency. The Saints were, in my opinion, perfect in the red zone against the Colts. The only failed right. red zone trip was late in the game where they were running out the clock and they ended up kicking a field goal because the field goal iced the game and you weren't doing anything that would that would risk fumbling or anything like that. Same thing in this game. You got the ball into the red zone at the end of the game. You ran out the clock. So... That doesn't to me, you cut that, you you erase that from the red zone statistics. You won't that won't happen in the record book, but to me, from a practical perspective of talking about red zone efficiency, they were perfect in the red zone today, and they've been perfect in the red zone for back-to-back weeks. And why has that been the case? Because Taysom Hill is the most elite red zone weapon in the NFL bar none in. All facets, right? Whether he's catching the ball, whether he's running the ball, whether he's throwing the ball. He had a receiving touchdown in the red zone this week. He had a passing touchdown in the red zone this week. Last week he had two rushing touchdowns. The man is a weapon. And I appreciate that, you know, like there's been some talk about whether Derek Carr likes to come off the field. It's like what quarterback wants to come off the field? Like if you're a quarterback that's sitting there like, please take me out right now so that someone else can score this touchdown then you're not, you're not the guy I want leading a team anyway. But I don't think he has any issue coming off the field when the result is a touchdown. Now, when the result is third and eight, and you have to make something happen, which is what happened in this game before that Chris Alave touchdown, that's a different story. But you know, like that's the, the red zone efficiency and the, and the ability to get Taysom involved, those are two very connected things. And I've been very pleased with, with what that's looked like over the last few weeks
0: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: And you mentioned, obviously, the share time now with Derek Carr has to deal with. But I'm, I'm pretty sure we all know, obviously, Drew Brees was fully on board with it. He even lobbied for as much as Taysom as you could. Uh, within the offense if it helped the team win and I think Cars in that same mindset of yeah I, I get what he's adding and can do that I can't do on the field uh, and it just has yeah that the offense man has been putting out the yardage and it's good to see them the the progress and being able to finish now has been awesome
4: well today he got you know so much man coverage you know and you know, usually, you know, when we're in there throwing the ball, like, you know, we don't we don't get much man, and when we do, usually it's a, a good play for us, and you know, that, and that's across the league. That's not just us. That's across the league, right? They were playing some man things, and that's why his touchdown man is wide open. You know, Jawan comes back, boom, we have a big play. And you see just his ability to run the football. They got to load the box. If you don't load the box, he can throw it. You know, and uh, he's been so good in that role here for so long. You know, uh, you know. And I remember watching the clips of you know growing up of when when it was Drew playing quarterback, and and I was like, man, you know, I was from afar. I was like, man, they're taking Drew off the field, and then you get here like. I see why you know <laughs> this guy's this guy's pretty good, and so um, he's great in what he does for us and he's a, a ultimate competitor great friend he's been amazing to me since I got here um, and you know I it, I celebrate him every chance I get because of, you know, that just doesn't come around all the time. A guy that can go from tight end to running back from special teams, you know, blocking on a punt, you know, punt return to playing tight end, to going to quarterback, to playing F receiver. Like that just doesn't happen all the time. So, um, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite teammates, but he's just an ultimate competitor and I love him.
2: I like that. He said growing up as if like Taysom has been in the league since like 2014. Oh man Taysom. Like he's, we're talking about like, like 2019, 2018. Like he was a five, like Derek Carr was a five-year veteran in the NFL when Taysom Hill came onto the scene. <laughs> but he talks about it like, oh yeah, I remember me in high school watching Taysom running around. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but no, like it, it's, it's very cool. And the other thing that you have gotten into doing with uh, Taysom Hill in these sets, and it's fun. And every week you see a new wrinkle. Colin Saunders, baby, the full bink. The Binkatron, I think, is his new nickname for himself. So that (laughs) touchdown to Jawan Johnson, and if you go back and watch the replay, that play was designed to go to Colin Saunders in the flat. They were... that He was the primary on that play. The goal of that play was for Taysom Hill to throw a touchdown to Colin Saunders. Now... You run that play because it's basically this the same thing as like when you get your left tackle eligible and he's just standing by himself and you throw it to him, and the only question is whether he can actually catch a ball, right? That's what you expect to happen when you sneak Colin Saunders out into the flat. Well, that's not what happened. The bear, it's almost like the Bears overthought it, and they actually devoted two defenders to Colin Saunders and left Jawan Johnson standing. By himself in the end zone, like that's how how much this defense makes. I'm sorry, make this this Saints offensive attack when it's utilizing Taysom, when it's usli- utilizing Colin. Has gotten other teams into their own heads where they yeah. are double covering a defensive tackle out of the backfield and leaving the tight end that led your team in receiving touchdowns last year standing alone in the back of the end zone. And I asked, you know, we talked to Colin about this. Unfortunately, the music in the locker room is so loud that my audio files are unusable. Unless you want to hear Lil Wayne with some mumbling in the background. Um but I asked Derek about like, what it's like to see that, and, uh, and this is what he said. I believe that play was designed to go to Colin. Is it kind of wild to see a defensive tackle dragging multiple defenders and leaving Jawan standing myself?
4: Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> his, uh, you know, I've, I've played with my fair share of um, uh, you know, good players on the skill positions. I've never seen someone attract that much attention on a football play, so uh, credit to him. Um, yeah, you know, him and I got to put him and Devante in the same category now, uh, you know, and being able to attract attention. So <laughs> him and Mike T taking double teams today, they attract attention. Uh, I think I put 99 in that category too.
1: So you said Binkatron? Binkatron. Yeah.
2: Like a Megatron, huh? Basically, and uh, and he said that Juwan owes him a thank you for the for the wide open touchdown, which is true. I mean, he also went in motion on that last play, uh, one of those later plays, and it was like the fastest motion I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just full like you see guys go in motion, and they're fast guys in most cases. So they're kind of you know they're not they're not running full speed, but they're still going pretty fast. Like Colin, if you go back and watch it, he went in motion, full sprint <laughs> all the way across. Um, that was one of those last plays uh, as they were icing the game, but but again, like one thing that I do appreciate about this offense is the attack, it's enjoyable. Like, there's so many different ways it can beat you. Michael Thomas did not catch a pass today, he did force a penalty. Um, he was targeted, I want to say, twice. One of those was erased because it drew a penalty, but you you managed to win this game without Michael Thomas catching a pass, and I just think that there's you know, when this offense is working, it's finding ways to get everyone involved. I do have to I do have to apologize to anyone who took my advice and started Jamal Williams cuz it just did not work and I will say that the logic behind that for me was the Saints would be playing with a lead and he would get a lot of carries. And if you watch how they started this game, I think they did want to run Jamal and get Jamal going. He was in for the first 3 snaps of the game. And But I do think that you know, as you kind of got into this game and it was a little more of a barn burner than you expected, you didn't run the ball at all. I mean, Taysom Hill ran for 52 yards. Beyond that, Alvin Kamara, nine carries for 26 yards. Jamal Williams, three carries for six yards. Kendra Miller, one carry for zero yards. So your running backs accounted for 32 yards on 13 carries. So just generally speaking, you did not run the ball.
1: No, no. You mentioned, obviously, uh, Miller was disappointing to see him. You did have that one play. uh, But like, uh, I know he left the game with an injury, right?
2: Yeah, he had he had that screen pass that went for 31 yards and then he left with an ankle sprain, um, which is not good. But again, you know, you do have a stable of running backs that you feel good about. So, you know, hopefully his injury is nothing significant. But if it is, you do have the bodies to withstand it. One other thing that I did want to point out that that definitely worked, and again, you know, we're, we're talking about the kicking game, and we talked about Darren Rizzi, and, you know, I think that Lou Headley has not been nearly as bad as a lot of people seem to think he has been, and and I just, I, I think it's, it doesn't look the same as you're used to. And right. and I understand that he doesn't have a cannon leg so he's not flipping the field. I think that's my biggest criticism is when he's kicking from the goal line, right? Or he's kicking you're backed up and you just need a kick to to get it out past midfield. That's not where he's at his best. And so it's going to be frustrating to watch him do that. But when you look at kind of the 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 balance of his work, he just constantly is pinning got teams inside the 20. I mean, you know, he had that kick today where, you know, and I give credit to Isaac Yadam too. I think Isaac Yadam has been excellent in getting downfield and and stopping these kicks short of the goal line. He had one against the Colts where he was just right there. The ball kicked at the nine right into his arms and he pinned him at the three. <laughs> this week, he made one of the best special teams plays I have ever seen in that ball kind of bounding in. And he just kind of slapped it out of bounds at the two and like the difference between starting at the 20 and starting at the two, it's basically a turnover because the offense is bare. All they're going to do is try to get out the of the shadow of their own goalpost. If they get a first down, great, but they're, they're not throwing it. They're not getting, they're not getting aggressive. They're just trying to survive. And you know, that's, people said, well, it doesn't like, it wasn't Headley because Yadam made a good play. Well, he still had to make the kick that allowed Yadam to make the good play. He's made, he's punted eight times over the last two games. Seven of those kicks have been downed inside the 20. And one of them that wasn't, I would argue, is one of his best kicks of the season. It was a 48-yard net punt that was downed at the 23-yard line. Zero return yards. None of these kicks have been returned. And so, you know, you look at Lou and you say, well, why, it doesn't always look right. It's not always perfect. But at the end of the day, it's effective. And so, you know, I, I think that I want him to get better. He's a rookie. He will get better. But I don't, there's this idea that like, oh, they should cut Lou Headley. They should try out punters and bring somebody else in. I don't think he's been an issue, especially the last two weeks. Now, that kick against the Jags late in the game, that was a bad one, right? He's had some bad kicks. Right. Every punter makes bad kicks, right? You look back at the Bengals game last year, Blake Gillikin made a terrible kick. It happens. It's it's just something you live with from a punter perspective. But I think that, you know, these last two weeks, you've gotten a very good showing of what Lou Headley can do. And, you know, I, I don't think that Absolutely. it's been that big of an issue.
1: No, you're right. When, even when you look at the numbers, it's like inside the 20, uh, the, the net yardage, the, the the net gain kind of deal with him it doesn't look pretty all the time he was definitely more inconsistent earlier in the year you mentioned the jags game obviously too but at, at, le- at least the last two outings have been pretty good from him but i i don't think he's really you know you can say oh the the saints they, that he cost them the game kind of deal uh, or anything in, in, a, in a special teams situation where, you know, some there was some ire that was drawn towards, I'll say, like, you know, Blake Groupie, the kicker. Even now, I know folks, he made a 55-yarder today, but, he you know, you missed we'll one that you Blake. should have today. It's, yeah, and that's yeah. that, that's a frustrating part of his game. I want
2: to talk about Blake, but I don't want to talk about it here. I got uh, you. But, I, I mean, it just
1: my, my point is,
2: like, what are your expectations for your punter? Like, what do you need from your punter? And to me, what you need is a guy who's consistently going to put the ball inside the 20. And yes, you would love for him to be able to flip the field. Now, you, you know, you're not always going to get both of those things, but I do think that you're getting, when you're talking about going in punts, he's been very good. And so, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I feel the need to to protect Lou. Uh, just this, the tattooed Aussie man who definitely does not need my help. Uh, but you know, I I don't know. I, 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 every time I tweet about Lou Headley, I get these responses like, Oh, he's terrible. Cut him. I don't know. I think you're missing the point personally, but, uh, that's uh, that's all I got. Anything Anything else that worked that you want to highlight before we move on?
1: I'm trying to think real quick. Uh, I'll give, um, it wasn't like a major extreme game, but props to Chris Olave kind of a slump buster you know, making a few grabs and getting into the end zone.
2: I would have liked to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because he did get in the end zone. He had a couple of nice plays. I I appreciate the 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 completion rate, like six for eight, as opposed to six for fifteen. Right. <laughs> um. I would have liked to see. You know, the, the passing game was not as as high octane as I would have liked. Um. Yeah. But one thing that I talked to I asked Derek Carr about after the game, and I think is very is very relevant to keeping yourself in games and winning games, this Saints team has not turned the ball over much at all. And so if it's I keep people complain, oh, captain check down, captain check down. Well, you know, the other team turned the ball over five times today, right? Like that's an option too. You could make dangerous throws and you could squeeze the ball into tight windows, but that's not always the best option. And when you have your defense play in the way it was in the second half, No, you're not. The best option is not always going to be to squeeze the ball. And sometimes you just live to play another down. You know, Derek Carr has thrown four interceptions. Jameis Winston has one interception. And the Saints have lost three fumbles. So through nine weeks, you have nine... I'm sorry, eight giveaways and 18 takeaways. You are plus 10 in the turnover margin. And so to me, that's been something that... You know, that's not for nothing, right? Four interceptions through nine weeks... That's pretty impressive in my opinion and could the off could, could the passing game be a little more high octane sure but you know I, I I think that when you're taking care of the ball the way the Saints have,
1: you can afford to be a little bit more a little bit more conservative so no, you you mentioned the takeaways too what an awesome thing to see after how few we were getting last year and it, thought, it felt like time you were able to get one it was like a miracle and, and I first season, in the NFL. Right, uh, unreal turnaround from from that aspect. Huge props to whatever went into that. Who who knows? But they've been the, those bounces that you know everyone complained about weren't going your way or being, you know, maybe just a tick too late. That's not happening this year, which is awesome to see. Uh, another positive. I'll, I'll shout out to Cam Jordan, who I thought had his best game of the year. I thought you really felt him. I don't know if it was because Matt Ryan was in the building or not. He had a solid
2: game. He had a sack. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the defensive line, I don't think, played particularly well in general. But uh, let's, let's talk about that on the back end of this break. This is Inside Black and Gold. We talked about what did work. Now I want to get into what didn't work. What went wrong in this game? So we'll be right back with that on we're, we're going to close out with a mailbag. So if you have any questions, comments, hot takes, whatever, the name of your cat, I don't care. Throw it in there and we will get to it. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around.